Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Jack Parsons, Jack Longhair Parsons, <laughs> who is the founder of the Youth Group. He's the UK's chief youth officer. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, and, and thanks for having me on. And uh, as you said, Longhair Jack Parsons, I've not had a haircut in seven, eight months, and uh, it's now uh, in front of my eyes, literally, when I uh, don't put it behind my ears. So I, the first thing I'm going to do once everyone it, the pandemic is over is go and get an haircut <laughs> you're telling me go get a haircut and go to a restaurant that was the other thing you told me yeah. before we came on right yeah those two things restaurant haircut and i think i'll put the day off just to do those three things those two things nice one okay um, so yeah come on give us give us the backstory to the youth group and uh, how you find yourself uh as with the title of uk's chief youth officer which i love so uh, I'm, I'm a very values principle led person. What you see is what you get. And I don't try and be something I'm not. And this all sprung from my upbringing. My mum was an alcoholic. We lived in a council estate. She was uh, a violent mental. She had mental health challenges. And I become the grown up at a very young age. At the age of five, I was negotiating the phone bill so they didn't cut it off because she spent the money down the pub by everyone around in the pub with a gyro check school was a place for me to go and fit in but young people are so smart they understand the odd one out and I was bullied until year nine and the only reason the bullying stopped is because I was old enough to take out paper rounds which funded my judo lessons and when you're sinking you learn to swim and I learned to swim very quickly and from there mum got really ill moved in with my dad old school black cab driver and he just he just led with principle he said, look, you make your bed every morning, get up, you apply for jobs once you leave school and, we'll, and I'll help you. You can live under my roof, but I want to see 30, a list of 30 numbers, uh, emails a day that you've reached out to. He's just really trying to drive into me, get up and go. And that is where it all started. I got myself an apprenticeship, paying £2.50 an hour, but I loved going in because I was surrounding myself with diversity of thought, older individuals around me, and I just was so happy to be there and be given the opportunity. That led into moving into recruitment and education recruitment and placing teachers into jobs up to principal level. Then I paused after a couple of years of um, working for that organisation and could start seeing different mismatches between education, young people and employers. And everyone tried their part. And this is about lifting people up. But everyone tries their part. But there was just a big there was a big gap and no, no one talking to each other. So I went on to set up my first adventure, uh, a technology platform, which helped over 100,000 council kids get into work, some shape of work. We grew that quite, we grew that to millions of quid. It weren't just me. I had a, I had a team. I had a lot of investment in that organization and we made a difference. And it came to a time where that organization paused. Uh, we had some investors in the business that wanted to own the algorithms and the machine learning. So they took that and I was asked, asked to leave the company and I booted out uh, of my own business because I'm trying to be the saint to actually help these council kids just like me and investors want to turn me into a book deal. And that's not what I'm about. I'm about the young people. And if the book deal will help, young people then I'll do it but if it doesn't then why do it then I set up the youth group and the youth group has just been on a whole transformation it's my learnings that for instance I'm a lot kinder leader 
I believe in kindness. I believe in doing the right thing. And we're here now with the youth group. We've got a community of 1.7 million young people. We've got over 90,000 young people who flip their duvets, get out of bed and get into work or a mentorship or training. I have a team of 55 employees and then an extended team of 155. Do I have all the answers? Definitely not, but I definitely have all the questions. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> what, okay. Well, what questions have you got right now? Like what's, what's top of mind for you at the moment? The top of mind for me at the moment in terms of questions is how do we actually get more companies to embrace kindness? And everyone on the forefront says, you know what, we're a kind organisation, but are you really? But here are the youth group. We, we've gotten, we've met, and I'm not saying we're perfect, we're not. If you're perfect, what's the point? Uh, but we've got a work, work four days a week. Um, you work with, not for. We anyone can approach me. I lead from the I lead from lead from the back, and it's all about actually having a safe space. Right now, young people, actually anyone, any generation, in terms of the pandemic, they a lot of young people are, are lacking safe spaces, and um, whether that's their environment at home, whether that's they're unemployed, whether that's uh, the space in their mind that's not. Um, share that it's not being good to them because they're mental health challenges. We need more safe spaces and we need to be kinder, like New Zealand. New Zealand's a really kind country. What is it you like about New Zealand? So New Zealand, I, I was approached um, or approached and asked kind of uh, told uh, to, to meet the New Zealand government. And I went, I went and met the New Zealand government. They came over to the UK. and. I just fell in love with the individual that I met. He was just amazing woman in her passion for young people, very experienced. We sat there and she said, look, I want you to come and share that love and share what you do for youth over in New Zealand. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, they all say that government, they're all, they're, it's going to happen. But yeah, maybe it won't happen. For the next couple of years, we know how sometimes governments can move so slow. She went back to New Zealand, and within four weeks, an agreement was signed that I was flying out there in three months. And I, I went out to New Zealand, and I met Maori community, disadvantaged young people, advantaged young people, businesses, big businesses, small businesses, ministers, and. It was just so lovely to see that actually they're doing their best and they do it with kindness and that the problems here in the UK are not so different to the problems over there. And I got on the plane after my two-week kind of um, under-the-radar tour of the country and I got a message saying we would love to make you an international special advisor to the New Zealand government. And, and that was two years ago. And then from there, it, it spoiled out. I've been over to New Zealand twice since. Uh, the second time was, uh, wasn't under the radar. It was really public. Um, it was like a mini state visit to really try and support young people from disadvantaged backgrounds to get ahead. And, and I don't know, I, I, if, 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 if everything went wrong here in the UK, I'm, I'm moving to New Zealand. And if you'd asked me that two years ago, I'd be like, New Zealand, where's that? Yeah. I went to New Zealand when I was a kid. I remember, did you get to the firefight caves? 
No, I didn't. I literally, I, I didn't. The funny thing is I didn't get to tour the country. I had several government officials around me at all times trying to lead me into every single room from Microsoft, HP, um, the warehouse, one of their biggest um, where one of their biggest stores. It was literally 40, 50 engagements a day, shaking hands left, right and centre. Sometimes I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't get to see the, actually an holiday when I was there. Uh, I got to see all the people, but no, no holiday. But what a lovely country. Right, right. And, and so kindness is obviously an, uh, you know, a big theme for you. So, you know, I suppose what does kindness look like to you then, um, you know, in your day to day? What do you see as kindness? Look, I, I'm a big believer that people, people and, and, not, and if that's okay, and more awareness is great, but people like to jump on trends. And, and kindness is a, a cool thing to say that you're doing at the moment. But actually, you have to be kind when no one's looking. You have to be kind to those around you. You have to be kind to your environment. And you have to be kind to yourself. Kindness comes from within. And if you're not being kind to yourself and getting enough rest, going for walks, making sure that you're not picking up that second donut. I lost four stone in the period of uh, 90, 90 days. Uh, it's been 120 now, but 90 days, I lost a period of four stone. Because I'll start to be kind to myself. So I think kindness is doing something not because it's cool, but because it's the right thing. We don't know what it takes for someone to get out of bed in the morning. Before this call, you and I were talking about uh, your your little ones and how they yeah. had a good night's sleep, and and that and that and you woke up and said, yeah they slept through the night. That's brilliant. Uh, and that is, that's the thing. You don't know what it's taken. It, have they had a good night? Have they had a bad night? You never judge any. Be kind. Do it when no one's looking and ask for nothing in return. That is what right. kindness is to me. Right, right. And you've got a, and I suppose then I'm just sort of drawing the dots here. Is it right then for you, one of the kind things that businesses can do is proactively reach out to disadvantaged people and especially young people and give them a chance is that like what are the appeals you're making to companies you know in terms of kindness so yeah i i believe what companies can do to be kind is do something authentically and i believe that every young person has talent I'm not naive. I'm a, I'm a realist. There are some young people we need to boot off the couch and get them up and find their duvet flips. So I'm, I'm not saying that every young person is a superstar, but every young person can become a superstar in something. Now, they're not all going to be dancers. They're not all going to be great at coding. They're not all going to be good at selling or public speaking or being a podcast host like yourself. But, but they're going to have something that where they fit in. And I'm a big believer in actually we have a role to play, we, the ecosystem, to be kind, to give that opportunity. But we also have to level the playing field when it comes to young black people, when it comes to disabled, uh, returners to work, single mums. The amount of single mums that I've had, that I've, I speak to have come to me at the age of 22 that have got two kids that have been affected and now can't do the job 
uh, go and do their cleaning job because they've got no one to look after the, their kids and the children. I believe that everyone has a space and companies need to actually start looking at diversity of thought in a meaningful way. Right. However, we must not leave, we must leave no one behind. That doesn't mean take on a disabled, disadvantaged young person over the young, bright grad. What it means is make space for both. Right, right. And what are, what are some examples then of, of individuals you've come across who are really walking their talk on that or that inspire you, like the, in your orbit? Yeah, look, we, we, we've partnered with about 700 organisations. Uh, two companies at the moment that are really leading the way and I'm a big advocate uh, before I wasn't and they know I wasn't I, w- I really looked at their organization and I said uh, your organization is old stuff stuffy and I'm not too sure young people really would ever work here and I wouldn't and they said let me take you on a journey and help us come on a journey and the famous saying is when you're too close to the elephant, all you can see is grey. So sometimes that's stepping away from the elephant to see all perspectives. So we both stepped away from that ele- elephant for a moment. And um, I've been so impressed with this organisation, Capita. Um, you know me, I wear my art must if I say it as it is. Capita has really led from the front when it comes to young people. In partnership with the youth group, They've gone and hired 100 uh, young, young unemployed people in the last 90 days. It's been absolutely fantastic. We've also put a program. We've had over 750 young people apply for those undertakings, and every single one of them are being connected with one of our mentors. So no one's left behind. And then career support, confidence support, well-being support, and I just think that is amazing. Now. Taking that model and scaling it up with all businesses, you start getting a really nice dent. Not, not, it's not going to change the world, but it starts the dent in terms of making a difference. Another organization we just partnered with Pret, and Pret are really, really putting their hands up and saying, help us become a youth first organization. Help our stores, help our HQ, help us understand you and they're doing it coming into it not as we are prep you have to listen to us but you are the youth group we have to listen to you and the what the youth are thinking and i think those two organizations and there's loads more there's loads more getting it right who are working with us but also who are not working with us but there's also a lot more organizations that are not so there, there, there are two organisations, Capitret, as, as an example, that are really walking, walking the talk, walking the walk, as you say. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Before. Yeah, and it sounds like a few things are coming out there. Then, so there's something about giving people safe space, giving them mentorship. Like, what? How else does it manifest this kindness? Well, look, everything's a snowball effect. I believe you do one action, it takes you down different paths. Some are good, some are bad. And uh, but you you have to you have to lay in the bed, you have to lay, make your bed. You lay in, they say. And I, I'm a big believer that actually, that young person who's gone and joined Capita, IBM, 
PwC or the small start, that starts changing the ecosystem around them. They, they've got a cousin who's about to leave employment, uh, education, who doesn't have a support network. They become the expert, the, the, the first member of the family that's gone to in, who's working at the moment or the first member of family who's uh, speaking to who's gone through an interview process. So I think everything's a snowball effect and actually the impact it has, it has to be grassroots and it has to be micro households. We make mistakes in, yes, big grand numbers are great and we need to make a difference to a lot of people. But actually sometimes it's about breaking each one of those layers down and, and looking at young Ab- Abdul who has just got a job whose now family will be impacted for the better. And well, this this point about mental health is is something that is is big, right, on your agenda. And we've just we've just mentioned safe spaces. Like, what else do you see as being good examples of of companies um, acting in this space and and helping our space, especially youth with mental health stuff? Mental health companies are starting to put mental health around the table, the conversation. And I love that because the more we talk about it, the more can happen. Do I believe that companies have got mental health solved? Absolutely not. It's still one of those open, closed conversations. And there needs to be more talk. There needs to be more action. The percentage. I think it works at 22 quid, not a lot of money at all, each employee for their uh, wellness and well-being. 22 quid is one month's membership. It's not a lot. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a healthy breakfast at Pret. Or it's, do, do, it's not a lot of money being invested in someone's well-being. But if that young person or that employee's, employee's mind is not right, you're losing thousands. So I think there needs to be a re-education in terms of what you invest in is what you get out. Or we need to spend, to, I, I go into organisations that oh, we're spending 22 quid on mental health and wellness. You know, and is that per, per month or per year? Just that really? That's per year. Per year, right. Yeah. That is not, you're not spending anything. You're investing. You're investing it. But £22 investment into someone's mind for them to work and earn you more money is not a blood enough. It's not enough. So do I have the do I have a magic wand around mental health? No. Am I an expert? No. But is there expert solutions and minds that could come together? Absolutely. I would challenge anyone who's sitting on furlough right now. Sorry if you are. We're, we're getting through this. But if you're on furlough, go and find another 50 people on furlough. There's up to 9.5 million. I think it's gone up to 10 million people on furlough in the UK. Let's get a mental health solution that actually helps. Because mental health is the real pandemic coming. Right. Well, exactly. Especially with kids, right? There's some some research coming out on that that's hitting kids especially. 32% of young people we surveyed, it was around nine weeks ago, feel overwhelmed and have, have had suicidal thoughts come up in their mind 
in the last 30 days. 57% of young people don't believe the government are doing or taking mental health seriously. Right. So, and, and look, and, uh, and this is not pointing fingers. I hate people that point the fingers at government. And yeah, I, I was going to say, government's just one part of the it's puzzle. It's part of it. It's, it's part of the puzzle. You have to lift them up with what they've done around the furlough and stuff. And, but we have to give them solutions, not just problems. And I'm a big believer in that. And I don't have the solution for mental health. I'd be <laughs> probably be uh, Bezos if I did. Um, but yet again, is, is, is a solution for mental health meant to be commercial? But then how, is that how you make it sustainable? So there's all these questions. Like I said earlier, I go from having all the answers to all the questions. And I just believe that there is some really smart people across the UK that could get their heads together and create something uh, that will blow us all in mind and actually make a dent to support people's mental health. What does that look like? I don't know. Right, right. But I suppose what part of your mission right now is to, you know, and I see you on social media, you know, it's, it's raising up the agenda, right, and making, making noise about it. And those survey stats are mind-blowing, right? I, mean, I put a, I put a um, so in 2020, every, a lot of individuals had bad years. They lost their jobs. They lost family members. And it was tough for everyone. And I was lucky enough to, because it was virtual, I'm a, I'm a paid public speaker. I'm very transparent about it. And I was, because I didn't have to fly across the world, I could get free. I was doing free public speeches a day. Um, so my, I actually earned an extra £50,000 in public speaking than what I shouldn't have earned if the pandemic was here. So the pandemic actually helped me. I gained. So I decided that I would take that £50,000 and I would pay for 10 people mental health therapy. And... I put that out online and I wanted it to be for everyone, not just young people. And for about two days, I just couldn't stop tearing up and crying. I had over 15,000 people request for mental health support. The messages were overwhelming, sad. And it made me very anxious that I had to step away from it for a moment. And that just showed that the real pandemic, and there is a pandemic and there's a real pandemic. I don't, I'm not saying that coronavirus is just fake. I, I believe it's real. Um, but there's, there's going to be an after effect that's really going to affect people. And I mean the story. It takes you, I like to speak a lot. And it, I, I didn't speak for a few days because of it. And I can only help 10 people get to get those sessions for a year. Man. I'll talk about you walking your talk, right? You take that 50 grand and you, you give it to people for therapy. I mean, wow. You know, good on you. Thank you. It's quite humbling. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's I mean, we've, we've, we've had people talk on the show about um, this idea of, <clears throat> All professionals. So D D Daniela Seif, who's written a lot on trauma and, and childhood, and talks about this idea that all of our professionals to be should be to some degree trauma aware. They should be aware of what's going on for people under the surface. 
and even like a basic like first aid level be able to offer some level of support you know teachers police policemen you know social workers i'd take it even further like anybody in a professional capacity they, if we were all to have some level of basic understanding of like what's going on for people under the surface and could help people um yeah it would make a huge difference like i, I don't have solutions either but that's like that's what i do that's your question yeah is how do we and I, I'm, I think you emotional intelligence plays a big part in kindness and leadership and being human yeah because actually if you don't really understand and look don't try and understand everything in someone's life because yeah. you're not if you're not, yeah. if you're not experienced it yourself but actually acknowledge it and actually actually appreciate and i think there's a lot that don't and there's a lot for instance the building i live in it overlooks the river in westminster people i don't have one but people are calling up in road voices with their drivers uh, and I live in the same building as David Haver Boxer and Lily Allen, and 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 it's and it's great, and it's got everything it needs. But I sometimes you go out and you realise that actually across the road is uh, someone who is homeless, and someone who needs a bit of love or don't have the family. And and to be honest, I never had a great upbringing in terms of my family. I would give up everything I've done, even though it's supported a lot of youth. Just for some love from my family. So sometimes we don't appreciate the small things that we actually have. And does it all matter at the end of the day? Does it really matter? Half of the things, if it if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't matter in uh, five years, don't spend five minutes on it. Right. Yeah. And that just gets me thinking around. What can we do to give self-help to those to be kinder, more self-aware, build confidence, and manage and look after their own mental health as well? So I I don't know a lot of – I think about impact and scalability that comes with a common outcome one or the other doesn't jeopardize itself. Like right. a lot of a lot of um, a lot of investors, we don't have any investors. Um, investors are good for certain things. I don't believe uh, in this um, approach to have uh, investors put into an entity that's helping you um, in a meaningful way. So you've got to balance it. I understand that, but right now that's not right. And they go to me, oh Jack, look, we'll give you two million. Go and build a technology platform. Stick them, stick them all into a a platform and I, I go what do you mean stick them stick what they're humans right. they all get up in the morning one likes coffee one hates coffee one wants to be an engineer the other one wants to be a podcast coach I'm not sticking them anywhere and, and it's, it's coming up with a balance of being human and enabling technology to scale what you're doing without losing being human yeah 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 no i mean these are these are great questions to grapple with and you're so, it's so true that especially when you know the technocrats you know get involved it's all about scale right it's all about how can we build something quick um yeah and herd them in so that we can offer them service you know all of that i do yeah 
that re- well i suppose i think it's society at large has a problem with that we atomize individuals right now in the way that we look at them as customers in the way that we look at them as um citizens right it's it, we we lose that i had a i had a um i had a a, a specialist a data specialist uh, look at, or it was a data investor, look at our data. Um, it was interested and I said, okay, if you want, if you want to look, you can look. Uh, you've got to sign into NDAs and that and you have to do it in front of me. We can't, not just give you access to our youth data, but if you want to come on, if you want to come and look at it, you can see how it's um, structured. And he looked at the data and he said, your data sucks. Sorry, my language. And I said, what do you mean our data? He said, oh, you're asking, you've got data on everything. You've got data on how the young person feels. I said, yes, we are, because we're there to help them. And we have a, we have a community of 1.7 million young people, and that's over 25 million data points. And I didn't get it, because he was saying, because we uh, we found out that the young person is in a single household and the mum doesn't work, that our data is fucked. In anything, I think that builds a nice profile on each individual who's given us the permission with that data, by the way, with GDPR, to build out on what the barriers are. So we don't focus on age, we focus on stage. You've got an 18-year-old who is in a single parent household, lacking confidence, doesn't want to get out of bed, but wants to work. You've also got a 29-year-old who's in a single-parent household, is a carer, doesn't want to get out of bed, but wants to work. We bracket those, we put those two into the same bubble because the stage they're trying to get over is confidence building. And when you do it like that, you're speaking to humans. You can say to a young person, here's Tesco, go and create a chicken curry. If they don't know what ingredients goes into a chicken curry, you're going to come out with probably a shepherd's pie. So you have to give the helping hand on, okay, here's the naan, here's the rice. And I'm using that as an analogy in terms of the careers and mental health and kindness and how to be, how to be a human and a citizen, a good citizen, a global citizen that gives, earns, works, volunteers and create yeah yeah no yeah you're making such an important point about individual and i see it a lot i mean i work with a lot of businesses but this 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 tendency towards reducing people to like a few key pieces of information and not looking at them in the round that bigger i mean i i visualize like a, a mind map in fact i sometimes do that with teams like right build a map of your life right around that individual and share it with the other people in your team like start there in terms of building connection with other human beings and the totality of their experience of life right you're making such a oh, really? point there and you can't do that in like three boxes on a screen in the computer easily right or yeah we have to be real it has to be authentic, and yes, that investor may be right. If we wanted to scale to 20 million, 40 million youth, we'll get there. It might take longer, but Rome wasn't built on the day. Yeah. But Rome's not fell down yet. 
because it's been built on foundation and yeah. real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, realness. I think that's yeah. And it, what you said about this data guy saying oh, you've got information about how people feel, I think that is a really important part of mental health. Like okay. just encouraging people to name what they're feeling. Like, what are you feeling? Where are you feeling it in the body? Just that in alone can be an enormous, like, certainly has been in my life, like first step towards getting hold of where I'm at and my own mental health, like making that more the, the day-to-day lexicon, you know, in, well, in, in our lives in general. I agree. As, and, as, and, and then the data is within one button, I could get 10,000 young people to sign up to a confidence course. As long as that confidence course is free, I don't believe in payment gateways in front of courses or education for you. Uh, well, but, hang on, but that doesn't that cut across your sustainability point? Like, yeah, presumably the te- teacher's got to get paid. Oh, so I mean, what I mean is a disadvantaged young person going online and accessing a paid course when they're unemployed, and you expect them to put five hundred quid down. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah, for people who can't afford it, like, yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. People that are looking for like, I've had a number of young people come to us and saying the recruitment agency is now charging them just to look at their, take them on their book. Wow. And I said no, that is wrong. That is not. I and I understand and I respect that recruiter. And I understand that that recruiter got a job, but not if a, a, a young person's been unemployed more than six months. And you're, you're saying to them, I need 100 quid if you want us to even look at your CV. And then, oh, then there's 400 quid for a call. And then there's 600 here. Oh, you can't afford it? Sign up to this loan. I, I, I just pause a bit and go, right, is that, is that what we need to do? Or is that the right approach? And I understand sustainability and everyone needs to earn money. But I just think that there's, there's give and take and there's a way to do it. And so presumably a lot of your funding comes from the companies, right? Yeah. So we Those suffer, with the money. We yeah. suffer dies. All our stuff we do through the corporate company. And, and to go back to your point, teachers should be paid, and they should be paid a lot more than they currently do as well. And they should be given a lot more kudos and support that may, than they do. A lot of teachers uh, over the last two weeks, and, and actually police officers on LinkedIn have popped up to me. And you just you just get to know them a little bit, and you're like, wow, there's loads and loads of micro issues everywhere that could easily be adjusted with the right time, energy, and investment. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's funny. Well, I I, I was involved in a car accident, and you know, I was chit chatting with the policeman whilst we were waiting for the recovery vehicle to turn up, and I was asking him like, what's what's the biggest thing for you right now? You're dealing with these like mental health number one. You know, dealing with people with mental health problems, and yeah, that's what our police time is being used up on. It just seems crazy. Surely that you know that they're not that doesn't feel like the right match, right? You know, why aren't we dealing with that in other ways? I agree. I agree, and uh, it's only getting worse. The mental health pandemic is getting worse. All generations, and something needs to be done. I didn't realise that we had a health. I didn't, I didn't realise that we had a mental health minister until um, November twenty, and I've been in mental health and advocating it for a few years. Someone said to me, "Do we have a mental health minister?" And I said, "No, we do." So I said, "Where is she?" 
Like, where is she? Like, and, and I know she's busy and she's got lots going on, but where is she? Like, where is she? Should be up on that podium with the British flag, saying, "This is what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it." And so, yeah, I think there's um, some things need to be. I, I, I talk about the three C's, and the three C's is start conversation, cause good chaos, and be consistent. And and whatever you whatever you and chaos is another word for urgency and, and actually going towards something as a bulldozer with fears and action. Everything around mental health doesn't seem like there's a, a urgency or a we must do this now. It's all been, and mental health is really serious. I understand the red tapes and we have to be very careful in what we do. But I just feel that there could have, they can be like, why isn't there a department for um, mental health services? There might be. I've not. I've looked everywhere. I can't see one that actually has real investment put into it and actually helps. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You could you could talk about government, but you just said businesses as well. Twenty two quid a year, right? Or even people in their own life, just people making the choice to make space to work on their own mental health right and not just sort of zone out to you know what they're experiencing in their life so i think individual companies government society at large you know there's a bigger role we could all be playing on it i agree i totally agree i and i i think we all have a role to play and we all have a role to play today yeah whether you're coca-cola or carol carol there we go all right well jack um it's taken me a while to you know, wrestle you onto this podcast, but we finally made it. I'm delighted that we did. Uh, yeah, you've certainly inspired me, especially with that story about you taking your uh, 50 grand and, you know, giving it out for people to do. Yeah, that's, that's it, man. And, 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 that's fierce and, action. Thank you. And, and I'm, I've enjoyed this so much. You can see my area. I told you it goes in front. Uh, I, I just want to say, look, I, anyone's listening, they might be go, yeah, I don't even earn 50 grand. How can I even do that? I don't try and compete with anyone. And actually going to ask someone if they're okay is a lot worth a lot more than the 50K that I've invested. Yeah. I've invested that 50K because I don't have time to go and ask every single person, those 10 people, if they're okay. Yeah, yeah. So I believe, I just want to let leave when is everyone can actually do something that's worth a lot more than that 50k injection into 10 people getting there to get uh, therapy yeah that's such a good part yeah start the conversation yeah just start 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 having those authentic real conversations that's a great place Um, okay and for people who want to know more tell people uh you know tell people where they can find you find the youth group i look I, I always say at the end, everyone always says, if people want to find out more, what can they, what, where can they go? I believe, go on, go, don't, don't, don't come and find me. Don't, don't look on the youth group. Actually go onto your LinkedIn, message someone and ask them how they're feeling with their mental health today. That is a, that's a lot better for me than spending five minutes looking at our nice Gucci website and uh, seeing how you can get involved. And you can, but do the mental health and um, reach out first and start the conversation. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Jack. Uh, it's been a pleasure. 
Enjoy the rest of your, your day. Overlooking the Thames. Yeah, you too. <laughs> right, cheers. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.